You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I've got to turn the microphone. That would help. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Get us on there as we come to you live, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit for everything you need to know about the Detroit Lions here for the most reviewed Lions podcast on the internet, which I think makes us the biggest. We will just go with that. We will not uh, hear from anyone else about that regard. No. Not at all. And uh, we have plenty to, to do for you as the what, what is this? This is like this is the this this is a weird show because I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host. I'm always here at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Um, Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader, is not here. So it feels like we are doing uh, substitute teacher roles here. We have rolled out the, the cart with the with the old big. Uh, CRT TV on it. It's got a VHS player built in. And to tell us what what movie we are slapping into that bad boy, we bring in now the second man on the POD cast, Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. How are you, Ryan? And what movie are we watching today? I'm doing well, and I think that we need to load in some kind of like National Geographic. I mean, I know that really? everybody wants to jump to Bill Nye the Science Guy because they have fond memories of getting a uh, a whole class period off by watching a little Bill Nye. But I think we're going to get a little, uh, I think we're going to get in the weeds here a little bit. Really? You, you, so you wouldn't even do a full movie because when we had that treatment in my high school, I mean, granted Catholic high school, but still we could at least get to see like the mission. Did you guys watch Rudy? No, we watched The Mission. With, oh. With uh, De Niro and Jeremy Irons. Seriously? Yeah, with Aaron Morricone, because it's about Jesuits. Well, I mean, sure, why not? Let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. No, we are here to talk about the Lions. Brian and I shall do an absolutely adequate job. Jeremy is taking much needed time off. We have started up... Uh, you know, he's given me the keys to this hot rod here and I'm going to crash it a little bit as. But, you know, if you were listening, subscribed on our podcast feed on Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, um, excuse me, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio. Uh, you heard I did a quick 10 minute reaction to the schedule, but we haven't been able to sit down with the schedule proper yet. We really wanted to, even knowing that it's kind of at this point, we're kind of reheating it a little bit. Later on in the show, we are going to get to some talk. I know people are still talking about Tyrell Crosby. We're going to talk about it in the sense of the question of depth when it comes to the Detroit Lions and what you do with that depth in a rebuilding year. And of course, rookie minicamp was, was just 
just happened. So we want to talk a little bit about that and a couple of standouts from there. But Ryan, I want to start with this schedule. Um, you are the king of the superlatives, though. You are the king of the superlatives game. And I feel like there's no better way to consume the schedule than through superlatives. I, I think that makes the most sense, because like you said, Chris, we're kind of reheating this a little bit. So we got to we got to throw a little spice on it. We got to we got to salt it. We got to pepper it. We got to get the all the good stuff. Yeah. Get, yeah. Get the sriracha out. It's, it's it's your it's your wonderful friend. But here's the thing is like I love talking about the schedule. Um I don't buy into when people kind of crap on the schedule because it's like, oh, we've already known who we're playing. It's just a matter of when. I think when matters, knowing when matters, knowing what games are prime time. Hey, looking at the fact that we have a bye week in the middle of the season for the first time since uh, the Stone Age. That's good. That is nice. That's something that you would want during. It's funny when you look at the schedule because everybody's kind of already writing 2021 off as like a wash. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like. They're getting some of these like good things like, oh, a bye week right in the middle, like where you <laughs> ideally want a bye week. And it's like, oh, it's it, it's this season. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's this season. Rest assured when the Lions are ready to compete again, it'll go back to week four yeah. or five. Yeah. And, there, and there's but, and, and no London trip. So it's like, oh, yeah, like no big, wow. no, no big trip over the pond. A nice bye week right in the middle. Oh, but hey, guess what? You have one of the five hardest schedules in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, part of that part of that comes with also something I think is also favorable to the Lions, which is, I mean, favorable, but unfavorable in that you basically get all three of your road division games done before the second half of, of October. It just front loaded like that. But I think at this point that would be cool in any other year where the Lions are ready to compete. But for this year, it probably means looking at the start of the schedule, you're probably looking at a one and four start. Yeah, I mean, th those One first in five, maybe. Yeah, th those. I mean, he here's the thing. The, the thing that excited me most about the schedule is hearing about week one. All mm -hmm. right. So, like, he here's a superlative for you. The thing that got me the most excited about week one uh, is that is, is that the Lions are playing the 49ers. And oh, what did the 49ers have that the Lions don't? Well, they have a defensive line that is one of the best in the NFL and the Lions Spoiler alert, have spent this offseason, you know, solidifying their offensive line, putting Panay Sewell on, on the right side. And that offensive line is now established and it's certified and it's ready to go. And there's no there's no waiting time. It's it's mm -hmm. it's tr it's trial. It's 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 trial by fire right out of the gate because you're going up against Bosa. You're going up against Armstead. It's going to be. It's going to be quite the test for the Lions in week one. And that's honestly, that's what they need. And that's what you want to see. Like you want to see how NFL ready Panay Sewell is. Cool. He's going to go against, you know, some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Yeah. And not to be too, um, too downer on it, but they also might be playing, depending what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo, the Lions might be playing a rookie quarterback in week one, uh, which has never backfired on the lions ever before no no so no, actually the never. lions might jump out to a 1-0 start it's awesome i think that game is winnable i think when i said the lions can start one and four that is the one win i could see like a weird week one win and then going oh and three in the division and losing to the ravens that's kind of how i envision the one and four start when i say that that's a possibility yeah yeah the yeah, those first five games are are not easy by any measure. But um, it's, it's a weird schedule, too, because like we just said with the 49ers, like you don't know if they'll start Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't know if the Chicago Bears will start 
uh, Justin Fields by then. I think they will. I think Andy Dalton will kind of force their hands. And who knows what's going to happen with the Packers? We are kind of in the midst of the Aaron Rodgers drama uh, deepening as they went out and signed, I believe, uh, your favorite quarterback, Blake Bortles. Yeah, I mean... You, you want fodder for for a podcast. That's something that we could spend an entire segment on later in the offseason oh, talking me. about the the possibility and potential for Blake Bortles to to take meaningful snaps as the Green Bay Packers quarterback. But and, and then the other thing, too, I mean, the Vikings, I mean, who knows? By week five, maybe Justin Jefferson has forced Kirk Cousins out of Minnesota and he's gotten <laughs> gotten Kellen Mond up there taking snaps. But yeah, the, yeah those, those first five games, Chris, are. I don't want to say that like those first five games are going to decide the season because I don't know why looking at the looking at the schedule as a whole, it, it, it just looks like there's more. And I know there's only one week, but I think it's where that bye week happens. It really chunks the season up into into two even chunks, um, so to speak. But mm-hmm. it, it almost makes it seem like those first five games. Yeah, they're a big, tough uphill climb. But then, you know, the Bengals in week six and the Eagles in week eight before the bye week. So it's not like those first five games are going to entirely determine the trajectory, I think, of the Lions season when it comes to a win loss record. Yeah, although we do know just looking at history for the NFL that, you know, if you start one and if you start like two and four or whatever, like your chances of having a meaningful season after that are very slim to none. But again, I think as we've explained, the Lions are not looking for too much of a meaningful season. And I mean, obviously, you can't actively tank in the NFL and you want to see guys do well. So it's but it's 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 interesting to see what's going to happen. And there's some really tough out of conference games that have been racked up for the Lions. Uh, It's. I I don't know, I I'm I'm excited, though. For this season, I'm excited because it means we'll be back in stadiums. I'm excited for the fact that I'm probably going to get to go to SoFi Stadium to that new monstrosity in Inglewood and see the Lions and Stafford and wear my uh, salute to service Stafford jersey. So nobody knows what team I'm actually rooting for there. Um, And, you know, you get the Eagles right before the bye and then the Steelers on the other side of it, then the Browns bears on thanksgiving it's a it's a good it's an interesting schedule i only wish this schedule was in a year where the lions were meaningfully go probably going to meaningfully compete i'm not going to say they won't meaningfully complete compete because we might get into this into the season and they might be like the carolina panthers out of the gate last year where they're just overperforming People, be, yeah. I, I've, been, I've been getting a lot of that, but I'll talk about fan confidence a little bit later here, probably on the other side of the break as a tease. But, you know, that's that's something that, you know, that, that's the thing with an NFL schedule. You just don't know what's going to happen at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah. Week seven, Chris, against the Rams, like you said, you'll be rocking that salute to service Stafford jersey. You're actually rooting for Lockheed Martin. Um, Ew, that's gross. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to change. You want to change that out. W- will you? What What has you most excited about the first half of the schedule before the bye week, Chris? Like, if there's a game that just interests you that you want to circle, is it a is it a matchup? Is it um, what What about weeks one through eight has you has you really excited? So, I mean, just as a larger note, again, it's the fact that the Lions are getting all of their road division games done 
you know, week th- uh, week two against the Packers on Monday night football. And then weeks. Uh, let me make sure I get this right. Four and five. So that's October 10th. You're done. That's Vikings. You're done with your road division games. The fact that we get to see the division this early and it's a very transient division. It's a division that's really up in the air. And it was to be honest, like the NFC East took a lot of the flack for being a bad division. But depending what happens with the Packers, this could be a bad division this year, too. So it means that this could be a fairly equal division. It means that the Lions, very fresh, are going to get to play in some imposing places in division early on. Like Lambeau on Monday Night Football is probably my answer there. If I have to exclude the Rams game, just because the storyline in the Rams game is so, so evident, so transparent right there, I would take after that probably Green Bay. And then am I allowed to like the Bengals game? For very weird reasons, am I like allowed that to, to like that game because I want to see kind of you know who Joe Burrow is and if that if a Penne Sewell less Bengals offensive line can protect him against this Lions defense against Alan McNeil and against Le'Veon Zawerke? Yeah, I mean that on top of you get to see Jamar Chase, you know, uh, a, mm-hmm. a player that was obviously highly coveted by the Detroit Lions themselves. So you get to you get to see him live in action. Um, and it, I think that'll be in terms of right now looking at rosters and things like that. Like that seems to be like the most competitive game that is is in that um, that stretch of games weeks one through eight. Um, the Bengals seem to be in terms of talent in a similar place with their roster. Um, you know, and the, the other thing, Chris, that's really beneficial about getting those uh, divisional road games out of the way is that I think that might take some pressure off the players and the coaching staff on the other side of the bye week. Like it might, I mean, it it, it might be tough, but they're going to have time to to lick their wounds, to reassess, um, to re-energize and hopefully hit the other side of the bye week and and the rest of their schedule, you know, in a different way. So, um, and I'm already talking like, you know, this might be a, you know, a a disaster in terms of win loss records, but like, we're not concerned with that, right? Like we as no. as Lion fans, we're, we're, we're not really concerned with where this team ends up in terms of win loss records as, as long as it gets them Malik Willis. But like, um, God, I don't think we've told <laughs> P- Have we done a podcast yet on how much you and I like Malik Willis or is that just a Twitter thing? My my weeks are blurring together in my head. Not not proper. And we will. Okay. We got plenty of time. We will. We've got plenty of time in the offseason to start chalking. Jeremy yeah. isn't here. So if he was, I'm sure somewhere up in upstate Michigan, he's bursting into flame with us talking about the 2022 draft already. Um, I think even not even just as a fan, just as someone who covers the team uh, rationally, you can tell the Lions like this is still a, a work in progress. Uh, I believe the over under was set at um what i see for the win total last i think it was five and a half it was five and a half okay which i think is a really good number like yeah i don't want to dig six and a half yeah at six and a half i'm taking the under like at six and a half i'm taking the under at five and a half i'm at least considering Mm. taking the over and i mean the reason the the hook is tempting because like we've talked about week six Bengals, week eight eagles um we haven't really gotten to the second half of the schedule but i mean there are some winnable games I, I wonder, though, about the second half out of conference, because you say so. Here's the thing, though. You, you mentioned how tough it'll be out of the gate. And I think we've talked before about the experience this coaching staff 
being former NFL players top to bottom will bring as far as what it means for a lot of young guys to sit through a losing schedule, uh, a losing schedule, something I don't think the last coaching staff really helped them with, like, especially when your team is a work in progress, it's very hard to get guys uh, invested. But I feel like with Dan Campbell here, you're going to get punched in the face coming out in the schedule and you're going to get kneecaps bitten. You'll have the bye week. You'll get you'll get time to settle some guys down. Then you're going to come out of that bye week and probably get punched in the face again between the Steelers and the Browns. I think maybe one of those games is winnable, but I st- like the Steelers, even though they laid an egg in the playoffs last year, they won 12, 13 games before anyone handed them a loss. And the Cleveland Browns, I I refuse to buy into this idea that Baker Mayfield is a one shot like that is that is still a good team in Cleveland. After that, you'll go back in your division. You'll be okay. You'll have a rough road game against the Broncos. But yeah, I think in general, it's a little more winnable on the back end. It's just a matter of how much are you still going to trust Goff at that Jared Goff at that point. And I think that's one of the superlatives. We'll take a break here soon, but that's one of the superlatives I have on the other side is about Jared Goff. And it's about, I think the two things that will be tested most in the schedule is Jared Goff. And it's going to be this defense, which those are the pieces you want to test it. Cause I feel like going into the 2022 draft in free agency, that's the next part of this, this team that needs to be rebuilt. Yeah. I mean, that's the position that everybody was pointing at even for, you know, the the draft of you know a few weeks ago was if it's not going to be Penesul, th- there was a loud and vocal group of Lions fans that were really interested in the team taking a quarterback and Justin Fields was there and he he wasn't the pick so um Jared Goff has a lot on his shoulders and uh, like you said we'll we'll get to that when we get to superlatives the the thing about this schedule though is and the reason why it's so difficult I think um, beyond you know the the metrics of using uh you know, last year's, uh, you know, win percentage to determine whether or not um, the Lions have a weak or a, um, uh, you know, st- strong schedule is that you look at their 14 different opponents. I would say that, like, at least 10 of them have playoff or more aspirations. Yes. Like, I mean, the Packers, hey, you, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, you pulled the, the Steelers, AFC North the Rams. And you pulled, yeah, you pulled the AFC North and you pulled the NFC West, two divisions that could that will that are incredibly competitive and are going to send, I think, between two between those two divisions, at least four teams to the playoffs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You talk about, yeah, the AFC North when when it comes to the the Browns, Steelers and Ravens. I mean, those three teams, it, it would not shock me if all of them made the playoffs. And mm-hmm. then the NFC West Seahawks. Cardinals and 49ers, it would shock me if those three guys didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, and you're locking in the Rams already. Oh, yeah. 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 So <laughs> win loss at the end of the day does not matter for the 2021. Detroit it's only Lions. game. It's only game. Why you have to be mad. I think it does matter. Just I think it'll be the individual character of each game. And uh, this is me rationalizing here, but I think we want, I want to take a quick break here. I've been promising for superlatives for about 15 minutes and clearly I'm off the rails already, but uh, we're going to do some rapid fire with Ryan on the other side. I also want to talk real quick on the other side about uh, the difference between, I think confidence 
and where I think the fan base is as far as wins. Because I, I do want to say I've seen some polls that indicate I think most people are being realistic if some of the loudest voices might not say the same. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. I think it's time for superlatives. Let's do some superlatives on the schedule. Uh, before we dive into that, I did want to uh, make note of several things here. Um, the schedule, when it comes out, I see people bang on the schedule all the time because what we're only learning is where these games are being, you know, how it's taking place, when it's taking place, and in what order. At the same time, most uh, a lot of NFL sites uh, have ranked this Lions schedule as one of the toughest in the league. I believe I saw one place with them, I believe, 30th. Mm. Vegas is having the win total right now at five and a half wins. On the other side of it, we do have that fans still have an incredibly high confidence in the Detroit Lions to the effect of, I believe, we were talking 80 or 90 percentile when we ran that poll. However, when we did run a poll, a later poll on Pride of Detroit for the schedule, I believe 20%, 22% of the audience said that this team would win 5 and 12 games. Another 22% had it in the 4 and 13 range. So I think I wanted taking those two together, I would like to say that even though you're going to see a lot of national media put down the Lions and it will be, uh, you know, as with Detroit versus everybody in your in your bones to react and call them losers, you're all it. I won't defend them, but at the same time, it's it, it is reassuring to see, I think, from the fan base that they understand where this rebuild is at. On the other side, too, though, I also understand that at the start of the schedule, it's going to get real tough. And I think that anger at the coaching staff for losing games out of the gate will be at an all time high because that's more what local media can do for you. That even though you're, we, we sit here on a podcast and tell you to take a long picture, there will still be some columnists. And, and radio guys who will see the Lions probably getting the doors beat off them by the 49ers or the Ravens and say that Dan Campbell is somehow outclassed for the NFL. And all I would say is just, you know, hold your horses there. Hold your horses there. The Lions have come from a very bad spot when it comes to the team. And as we all know, with all first year coaches, it takes a lot of time. Even we mentioned the, the, the Panthers earlier, even the vaunted Panthers who I believe we all gave a lot of props to Matt Rule coming out of the gate strong in 2020. The Panthers, however, then turned around after that strong start, after those superlatives that we gave to Teddy Bridgewater and finished, I believe, with only five wins. So, yeah, this is to say that every journey for a team in the NFL is different. Every every journey is uh, intriguing and it doesn't go the right way. And the Lions have more work than I think any of us realize. So when you start to see calls for coaches being out the door, just remember that uh, 
this this is going to take a minute. And that's why, again, Panay, I, I was more in favor of something like Panay Sewell than I was in Justin Fields. That's all. That's all yeah. I wanted to say. Well, a few things to those points that you made, Chris, because I think that when you talk about those confidence polls and you talk about where fans are kind of projecting this team to um, <clears throat> to have their win loss record be. I, I think people are coming around to the idea of the Lions maybe not winning a ton of games this season. And I know that we we tend to stay away from like the cross, uh, you know, to cross like sports lines and to point at other teams. But I think the Detroit Pistons may have been a little bit of a primer for people going into this Lions season because they're a team who finished with the second worst record in the NBA. OK, they went 20 and uh, it was a 20 and 50. OK, but there were an awful lot of competitive games where they were playing, you know, teams that are playoff teams, you know, within six, seven, eight, nine, ten points. OK, I'm not saying that the the Detroit Pistons are going to be the uh, poster child for rebuilds, but they had a couple of rookies who are probably going to end up on the all rookie team. And they, they actually gave an extension to Dwayne Casey after finishing with the second worst record in, in the NBA. You can feel the good things that are building around the Pistons. If this is a Lions team that goes three and 14 or goes uh, two and 15, I could see that same kind of energy being around it. Yeah, I could see that. I, I think, uh, again, I think it's different for the NBA just because it is so speculative and guys take a lot longer to grow in the NBA. But I think the sentiment is definitely shared with Lions fans. But let's just put it this way. Again, not to cross the stream in Detroit sports, but they're, I think they're closer to the energy of the Pistons than they are of the energy to the energy of this team will rebuild and be good one day. The Lions are closer on the end of the spectrum with the Pistons than they are on this side of the spectrum that contains the Detroit Tigers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. You want to do these superlatives? Yeah. Heck I, had, yeah. I wish I had uh, game show music. I'd probably throw it in the actual podcast. But um, all right. So I'm going to throw these to Ryan. I've come up with some questions. I've come up with some rapid fire stuff, and I want to see what Ryan thinks of them. Some of them are pretty plain. Some of them are pretty out there. And we will get to all of them here. So the first one is straight up. Uh, Ryan, I want to know, looking at this schedule, the game you want to watch the most. And I, when I say watch, I mean on TV. You kicking back in whatever man cave you have. And I mean, I don't think millennials have man caves. But where, where, <laughs> what, do you, what, what game do you want to watch the most with a good accounting for like, you know, you know what, I, I won't even put conditions on superlative game you want to watch the most the game i want to watch the most chris is week three versus the ravens and that shouldn't come as a shock to anybody who knows my affinity for lamar jackson i'm all in on lamar jackson still if you're selling your lamar jackson stock i will gladly buy it so you know at me whenever you want if you are if you're out on lamar jackson that only puts me even more in so um, you know, you, you take a look at the schedule, though, and that's how I kind of, you know, this superlative question in, in particular, Chris, is like, which quarterback am I most excited to see? Because here's the thing with the Lions. All of us are kind of waiting with bated breath about Jared Goff and how he's going to perform. It wasn't like that when Matthew Stafford was, was here. When Matthew Stafford was here, it was like, 
you know, we're going to see that guy fit the ball into all these tight windows. He's going to make all these incredible throws, might even end up in a comeback victory. So that's exciting. That's fun. I don't know how exciting and fun Jared Goff is going to be. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm, I'm looking at the schedule for who are the exciting players that are that are coming to town and week three versus the Ravens. I'm all about that game. I think for me, like on that flip side, it might be the Arizona Cardinals. And I hope by then Kyler Murray will be fun. Um, yeah. If not, that'll be a good around the holidays. Lions play several holiday games. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at Ford Field and Halloween. Spooky. I like that. I dig that. And then, uh, you know, you got Boxing Day against the Falcons, but we're not in London, so that's good. Uh, OK, next superlative game you're most likely to get drunk watching. It has to be week seven at Rams. You really you're really going to sorrow drink like that. I don't think it's going to be sorrow drink. I think it's just going to be like, hey, it's four o'clock. It's, you know, <laughs> it's more socially acceptable to drink around four o'clock than it is around you know noon. Um, I'm not going to sorrow drink. I'm excited to see Matthew Stafford with the Rams. I think it'll be a, an opportunity to like. Maybe even live a little vicariously through his success, um, but. I don't know that it, it's it's going to be more fun drinking like I'm not going to be drinking like something okay. that's going to like bog me down. <laughs> OK, OK. You say that now. It sounds like you're on to like a stage of grief. I'm not quite sure with. Is this bargaining? It might be bargaining. Is it? I don't know. You could yeah. be right. You could, it's not I like could I want to. It's not like I want to drink Mad Dog and watch the Rams, you know, <sighs> totally, totally run over the Lions. But I, I should put Mad Dog back in the blue Kool-Aid recipe. What about what about you? Which game? Uh, well, probably Rams, too. But that's mostly because I'm going to be like, you know, usually for me, these games are on the 10 in the morning. I'm coming off an overnight shift. And uh, instead, I'm hoping to have the Rams game off. We've been talking with quite a few people about going to the game. And uh, I know the drinks over at Hollywood Park are pretty decent. So, yeah, that's one answer. I could also then say Monday Night Football, just because, again, I will be off. I will not be working, probably. And that means I will be able to drink. By the way, not getting not getting a doubleheader Monday night football to start the season. So RIP to the Chris Berman. uh, I don't know if we ever developed a Chris Berman drinking game, but it felt like Chris Berman getting the late Monday night football game was definitely a drink yourself silly game because those were those were uh, experiences. Those those definitely were experiences. One other sneaky contender is week 12 versus the Bears. It's always mm. I mean, it always just makes sense to drink on Thanksgiving. On Day. Thanksgiving. Yeah. 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 I, I remember in 2016 being over with my with my family for Thanksgiving and um, screaming at the TV as Darius Slay grabbed that ball. Yeah. But yeah. Um, also, I remember the year before being around a bunch of drunk Eagles fans and fighting them. So that was cool, too. Um, let's see here. Game most likely to uh, actually I've skipped one game where there might actually be real kneecap biting. (laughs) Not to keep beating this. So I want to beat this horse to death with this one. This is the last time I will ever do the kneecap thing, because every other time I've heard the Lions talked about on national media, it's just been kneecaps, 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 kneecaps. But we wouldn't be superlatives without something like this. No, we would not. Um, It's going to happen early. It's going to happen early and it's going to be against a divisional foe. It doesn't even need to be the lions doing the kneecap biting. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know if that necessarily changes my answer, but week four at Bears. Like, there there might be a personal foul penalty. It's just, it's, it's the black and blue division, baby. It's the NFC North. It's the kind my, of football, my, that's the kind of football they play, man. My money's on the actual division that will bite you, and that is the AFC North at Pittsburgh Steelers in Heinz Field, where the Steelers love getting away with a few calls there. And the AFC North plays very, very dirty. And I think with the Steelers, depending on what happens with their quarterback situation, it could be a rough year for them. And some guys might just be taking out frustration and that could lead to a pretty sloppy game very quickly. One of my favorite things about rookie minicamp was learning how Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are both like running backs that are playing wide receiver now, apparently. Um, But Najee Harris lining up at X receiver for the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger can't really get under center anymore <laughs> just that's good stuff it's, it's one of my favorite storylines so far yeah yeah i feel like one hit on roethlisberger and everything's gonna go downhill in that game yeah uh, if, okay if we if we get mason rudolph in that game i could totally see some kneecap biting happening ooh, ooh. especially with the I, I i'd be shocked if rudolph ever plays again but you know fair point um game most likely to feature a streaker or a save the animals sign on the field wow well this kind of you know what we should talk about it we should talk about it here with the dan campbell on on pardon my take he wants to have an actual lion uh, yes, he does. He wants to have like, uh, what's the name of the lion down to LSU? Was it Mike? Mike? Yeah, it's Mike. the No, it's the, oh, tiger. the tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Mike the tiger at LSU who hasn't actually gone to a game in forever. But they, I guess they give him the option. They like roll up a cage to his uh, to his like uh, enclosure down at in Baton Rouge and he never goes in. But he could potentially go to a game and he never does. But I do remember one time going to a Lions game that was interrupted by a um, I think it was that Thanksgiving game where it was a stop killing the animals uh, protest on the field. Yeah. So I wonder if we're going to have an animal protester if Dan Campbell ends up talking Sheila Ford Hamp into getting a lion that he can walk around with during practice. It's probably never going to happen. We're in the post, but we are in the post Tiger King world. So there's got to be someone out there. There's some, yeah, there's somebody out there to get, yeah, to get Dan Campbell an exotic, uh, an exotic cat. All right. Um, yeah, if that's going to happen, I'm going to put my money on, on Thanksgiving again. It's a national, it's a nationally televised game. Thanksgiving is always the right point to it. Uh, I will do dark money. However, I will do dark horse favorite on that Monday night football in Lambeau. Um, just because and not step into any kind of political thing. We could still maybe get some anti-vax kind of weirdo stuff at that point, especially when yeah. dealing with Wisconsin. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. but it is what it is. I think I think the money is on Thanksgiving just yeah. because that's such a that's a big holiday, national TV guaranteed and everything. What, what about what about Eagles on Halloween? What would what, who, who would I mean, maybe for like a streaker, but that's not in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's a good point. I yeah, it, it is. A, it is in Detroit. So if it was at Philadelphia on Halloween and there's a full moon, somebody's getting naked. Werewolves of London. Browns might be for for streaker in particular. Browns at Cleveland might be a uh, dark horse favorite there, too. Depends on what the Browns record is. Like maybe if they're like if, if they're if they're playing like incredible football, 
Yeah. Yeah. That'll, it, get, it, that'll it, get you naked. That will get them naked pretty quick. If, if, if the Browns start the season like the Steelers did last year, um, there, there's, there's not going to be any beer left in Cleveland. The only thing on the only thing on the dude is going to be a painted number six. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Um, running away from that best game, <laughs> that best game you will watch that will probably end in a Lions loss. Oh, OK. Best game that the Lions could play that will end up in a loss. Week one. Week one, I I am weirdly confident that the Lions are going to be a much more organized team and much more game day ready than any of the teams that we've seen over the past few years under Matt Patricia. And I know that the Lions are playing, again, a team that is one year removed from making it to the Super Bowl. So they're going to be heavy favorites. I know that Vegas already has them at, I think they opened up at seven point favorites. Um, and they're playing on the road. So uh, I I could definitely see the Lions playing that game tough and losing by like four or losing by a single score, something like that. I think for me, it's going to be late in the season. And uh, see, now I'm now I'm now I'm uh, I'm pausing a bit. I'm pausing because I have multiple categories here and I'm looking at like Broncos and Seahawks and trying to figure out which one of those games could just be entertaining, but just a total disaster. Just a total disaster. Um, yeah. I mean, like what happens if Aaron Rodgers ends up on Denver? Then all oh of a sudden God. that game completely changes, right? So I think that's the reason why I looked early in the schedules because I know where my expectations are now. So I'm like, yeah, yeah I mean. Vikings, Vikings at Minnesota could be a very good game, I think, early on. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to the next question I want to give you is best game. They'll probably end the lions win, which is, you know, obviously pretty rare giving on our expectations right now, but where do you see the best game for a lions win? Oh, man, like their best chances or the game that I would like to see them win the most. The, the game that will be the most entertaining to watch on the field from a neutral standpoint, but also the lions will win. So it's the same as last question, except the lions also win at the end. Maybe it could end up being like a um, a year one defining game for Dan Campbell, but maybe right out of that bye week at Pittsburgh winning that game. I mean, Chris, you've already kind of talked about the fragility of the Pittsburgh Steelers and it really rides on whether or not Ben Roethlisberger can still throw a football. So I, I think I look at that game and it's it's a it's an against a premier NFL team. They're playing the Steelers. They're on the road. Who knows what their record is by then? I mean, they could be one and seven. But if they come out of the bye week and they beat the Steelers, like everybody's going to notice that a really bad team beat the Steelers or the Lions are kind of a middle of the road team. They end up going to Pittsburgh and they win the game. And then all of a sudden, well, now the Lions, hey, they're coming out of the bye. They're strong. I mean, I think that's a that'd be an awesome game to see the Lions win in, in year one. All right. Uh, next question, then worst game that the, will probably end in a Lions win. Something that is beyond sloppy for me. My money is on. I mentioned Denver Broncos earlier playing in Denver in the middle of December is uh, I don't know if it's going to be like the Philadelphia snowball, but that is not going to be a very good game. And the Broncos, unless they get I'm, I'm putting aside the timelines where Denver gets Aaron Rodgers because it seems too convenient for me to believe that 
And I don't want to believe that the Broncos are going to luck into another quarterback coming to them in the end of their career. I, I want to believe it's going to be someone like Drew Locke and a defense that is aging and unable to get anywhere and has been beaten to death by an incredibly tough division in the in the AFC West and the Detroit Lions who have been beaten to death by the growing pains of their first year and their bad defense just having to just slug it out in high altitude cold weather and I think the Lions can still win that one yeah that's the odds on heavy favorite because it it seems like at on the surface that the Lions could win that game right um Mm -hmm. a couple of other games that seem like they could really be slogging out dogfights would be Especially if you start to throw the elements into it, like if there's inclement weather week 17 at the Seahawks, like who knows what shape the Seahawks will be in. I think that one's worse. If I don't have this as a category, but that is worst game that will result in a Lions loss. That is just going every time the Lions play the Seahawks. It is ugly as sin and the Lions somehow find a way to screw it up. Yeah, that is true. Um, Yeah. And the only other game that I see uh, in terms of weather, like you look at week 11 at the Browns, but. I don't know. Everybody's yeah. everybody's hot for the Browns right now, so I don't see that as, yeah. as the game the yeah, Lions getting, can really pull out. Your your last the fact that at starting in November, like you you mentioned Seahawks and Broncos, but everything else you're either playing at your home in an enclosed nice uh, dome, or you get a, a road trip to. And actually, no, you even have the Cardinals at home. Oh, it's the trip down to Atlanta, or it's a trip down to Atlanta in December, which could be still nippy a little bit, but still, it's it's Atlanta in December, like. It's a pretty good weather-wise. Uh, they're in a dome, aren't they? Yeah, they're in a dome too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, just so. saying, maybe it might not be crisp enough where where the uh, where the uh, mm. iris or what the bumhole or whatever you wanted to call it is going to be open. So that's a weird stadium. All right, yeah. last one, last one. Yeah, and this is an Let's important one. Game that is going to make or break your faith in Jared Goff as a as a starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions. All right. So a couple of ways you can approach this, right? Like one, my immediate inclination is to be like, which defense does it seem like Jared Goff should be able to throw the ball over the field on and he doesn't do it. And when I'm looking at the schedule, like week six versus the Bengals, like if Jared Goff can't come out of Ford Field with a win against the 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 listless Bengals. And I know that's kind of early. That's week six. But I, I don't know, like, how how long is your leash with Jared Goff? Can I make him last until the Bears on Thanksgiving? I mean, the problem is, is that you're coming off a short rest there against a Browns team, but yeah. it's your second. It's your second time seeing the Bears defense and you're at home. It's an important game and it's on national TV and not to psychoanalyze that spot, because I don't like this idea that there is a big spot for Jared Goff. But all the elements should be in your favor by the end of November with this team. You're either good or you're not. And either by then I'll be like, all right, he's done some interesting things and I'm almost ready to put a crown on him, but not yet. I need to see him do it against a good bears defense. And that's on Thanksgiving or the, on the other side for the break side is you've trudged through about most of the schedule, the first two thirds of the schedule right now. Here is your second time seeing the bears. You've been up and down and inconsistent, but here it is. It's a team you, you, this is your first time seeing a divisional rival for the second time that on the schedule and the bears Mm -hmm. are a good defense. It's time to show that you can put it together with what you have. 
And if he yeah. still can't do it there after up and down, then I might totally be out after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you in kind of a, a similar question, but I think you answered it is like when the over under on when the book will be written on Jared Goff as a Detroit Lion, like that week nine buy, like that week yeah. nine buy seems like a really good spot to artificially place like I, either you're in on Jared Goff and you think that he can be something or you're all the way out. It, it really depends. It really depends because I think some of those games, there's defenses where he can like do all right, but it might be those first three games after the buy is where I start to write the book. Mm-hmm. You know, Steelers, yeah. Browns, Bears is a tough and then and then Vikings at home too. like those four games. I might be, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have my my notes by then pretty much. Yeah. Woo! superlatives, baby. All right, we're done. We're done with Lions that. football. Lions football. Right. If Jeremy was here, would he be really mad at us? You think? We're doing what? Having fun? I don't know. He's always mad at me. <laughs> He's always mad at me. That's part of the charm of the POD cast. He needs to he needs to be the stern lecturer on uh, on my nonsense. But I think we are going speaking of Jeremy, we do want to get to the actual raw news of the week. Um, and also Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I like I like this kid's attitude. I'm going to explain why next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. All right. Wrapping up shop here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Um, I ranted a little. I did a take a little bit about the schedule, and I feel like it would only be fair to me to give the floor back to Ryan, who has said to me, hey, I want to talk a little bit about Tyrell Crosby here. Um, This is kind of the leftovers warm up edition of POD cast. So we haven't had a chance on any of the big podcasts to talk about Crosby yet. So I feel like. Ryan, you should just uh, t- tell tell me your thoughts on Crosby, because I think this this really divided the fan base um, and even some of our own staff are kind of divided on this about, you know, he, he's going to have a year left on his contract. You're not quite sure what he's going to do in free agency. I think at this point, he's just a backup mm-hmm. in Detroit, but you do need depth and you do need guys to play. So what where do you where do you where do you stand on all this and what other what else what else are you bringing to the table as we talk about this? Yeah. So with Tyrell Crosby, for me, it becomes a matter of where is your team situated? And for a team like the Lions that are at the very beginning of their rebuild, I don't think that Tyrell Crosby is as valuable of a piece to say a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who we just watched, you know, struggle mightily against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes. And how much would they have appreciated having a guy like Tyrell Crosby who um, brings you like like he he brings you replacement level play? And I I'm a big fan of Tyrell Crosby. So this isn't a thing of like me questioning his talent or either kind of, you know, overvaluing his talent or anything like that. This is a thing where I just don't think the Lions are in the position to be holding on to things that I would consider to be a luxury when they can get future assets for it. Now, obviously, people start to kind of wring their hands when it comes to, well, what is the kind of compensation you would get in return for Tyrell Crosby? None of us know that, right? None of us know how much you're going to get for Tyrell Crosby. What I mean, is, is, it a, is it a fourth round pick? Is it a sixth round pick? I think that 
for the people who say hold on to Tyrell Crosby because you can get like a comp pick when he leaves in free agency. I think you're probably overvaluing Tyrell Crosby's value a little bit there. Um, and you're also kind of relying on a team to say, hey, you you've played in backup spot duty. Um, we're going to give you a huge contract. Now, a, a good counterpoint to that is Vitae. Like that was the role that he was in in Philadelphia. And then Tyrell Crosby, uh, or then I should say, uh, and then Vitae gets a huge contract to come to play for the Detroit Lions. Uh, a counterpoint to that would be Bob Quinn, right? But there are Bob Quinns all over the NFL, all right? Um, at the end of the day, I think that while Tyrell Crosby is valuable and he plays an important position, he, I mean, if either of your tackles go down, Tyrell Crosby can step in at a pinch. I don't see Tyrell Crosby's versatility when, when people say that he can play guard um, simply because like he hasn't done it. Like, yes, he's done it in practice, but he's never played it in a game. And I think that is kind of telling that the Lions are they're at least listening and entertaining the idea of trading Tyrell Crosby for the, you know, for the uh, faction of Lions fandom that's saying, well, you know, he can play over Vitae at guard. If that was the case, if they were looking for the best player available to play guard, they wouldn't be entertaining trade options for Tyrell Crosby because they could just plug him in there and they could have the best part of their team be completely solidified. So I just think that at 26 years old, Tyrell Crosby, yes, he's nice to have right now, but he he can go get a contract like he's turning 26. He's never been a starter. Maybe he wants to go and do that. Like now he's been passed up yet again by a new regime that drafted Panay Sewell. Like he was figuring to be your starting right tackle. The Lions drafted Sewell. Now he's back up to that backup swing tackle. Tyrell Crosby probably has bigger aspirations than being just the backup swing tackle. If he's 26 years old and he's about to enter free agency after this year, he's probably looking for a, a nice, a nice sizable contract that he can get. And um, he hasn't had the chance to do that yet. So why wouldn't you want to entertain the idea of free agency? And if you're if you're getting to that point, just go ahead and, and trade him right now while while a team maybe you know wants a starting right tackle or a team like I said, like the Chiefs who need depth at that position. That's where I'm at with Tyrell Crosby. Like he's expendable. Like I don't think that he's something that you need to hoard. I'm right sympathetic. Now. Yeah, I'm sympathetic to the to the complaint I've seen from Lions fans in that you want to reward guys like Crosby who have like stuck with your organization and performed well and is essentially homegrown talent. But I feel like in this case, you reward Crosby by letting him go go somewhere where he can prove that he's a start that he's you know still a starter and that he should deserve starter money somewhere. You don't you know, prove it to him by keeping him, as you say, it, it, basically number two on the depth chart. And yeah. I know that that kind of brings the question of what depth is the Lions. And again, I mean, it's a nice thing to have, but obviously you don't want to. Again, I feel like it's just to, to do right by Crosby, you let him go somewhere right now, especially again in a year that's just I'm not saying the Lions should get rid of every piece they can, because that's kind of antithetical to my idea of anti-tanking anyway is that you still want to build a decent roster when you're when you're uh you know rebuilding in the nfl but i think it's almost too much of a luxury to hold on to uh to uh, a third good tackle like that and again it's just what's right for crosby 
didn't we just have this conversation about carry on Johnson? You know, I mean, we this were talking basically this is the Stafford conversation, too. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, in, in a sense, it is the Stafford conversation because it's about. Honoring what that player wants and who knows mm-hmm. what Tyrell Crosby wants, but like this is another thing where I think like the carry on Johnson thing was done in good faith, like instead of holding on to him throughout the entire duration of training camp, he had a chance and an opportunity to to link up with a team that he can, you know, hit training camp with, you know, the ground running. And you can do the same thing with Tyrell Crosby. So let's talk a little bit about rookie training camp, um, mini camp, obviously no Panay Sewell um, tested positive for COVID. We wish him well. Um, I think most people's scatterbrained opinions on him has been, uh, uh, let's just say I did not like Twitter that day. Yeah, um, Chris, I mean, the Lions obviously should have drafted Rashawn Slater, right? I'll stop that. Stop <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, listen, everyone gets the vaccine a different time. Um, but we did have rookie minicamp and there were some interesting notes from there. Uh, for me, obviously, and this is going to get me the cries of Chris is a USC guy, but Amon Ross St. Brown definitely caught my head. Um, He's out there saying he's ready to take someone's job, which maybe that's still in line with Jamal Williams positive competition. Uh, it's a very it's very aggressive, but that's basically been Amon Ra's whole life is playing aggressive. Uh, the Lions had him line up. I think it was against uh, who was it? it was an undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, yeah, Jerry Jacobs and St. Brown just torched him. Offensive players in the sidelines went nuts. But I think the big note about Amon Ra is that if you were looking for a a wide receiver to do to run technical routes in this league, he showed that at minicamp that he's ready to do that. That there's no there's not going to be much of an acclimation period, which for me, even as just a Lions guy and not a USC guy, it it gives me hope because this this wide receiver bench, there's quite a few of them there, but it's not really that deep and. I, I want to believe in the upside on Almond Ross and Brown still. Yeah. And I think even like our own Eric Schlitt, like you mentioned, um, you know, St. Brown being that like route running technician that, uh, that a lot of people were kind of hyping him up to be. So it was nice to see, it was nice to see him, you know, kind of fill the, the expectations that I think people had for him. And you know what? The last time we heard big things about a wide receiver in minicamp, I remember a young Kenny Galladay. I remember Kenny Galladay at minicamp making a uh, a big impression. So, yeah, that kind of stuff gets me fired up. One of the things that I really uh, also, you know, grabbed my interest from from minicamp to Chris was um, Eric's comments about how just how how much looser and the vibe was just different in terms of you know players, their attitudes, the coaching staff's attitudes. Like things seemed like they, it, it seemed like football was like a little bit more fun. Um, in the sense that it was still competitive and, you know, they were still, uh, you know, they were still getting after it. But it w- it seemed like it's a a departure from years past with Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. I think I think half of that has to do with the coaching staff. And again, half of it probably is the guys they drafted just at the end of the day. I think it's just a good combination of that. There's also a lot of undrafted <laughs> rookies here, too, that have come in and uh, are getting their chance and they're playing with a lot of fire and energy. And I think that. You know, that's that where you get competitiveness. Some, posi- some competitiveness. But again, to Jamal Williams point, comp- positive competitiveness. 
mm-hmm. that yeah. you know you're seeing you guys explode on the sideline. And as I said, there's a lot of wide receivers sitting out there, be it Tom Kennedy or Jonathan Adams or J- Javon McKinley, who I mean, maybe I still think he McKinley makes the roster just given the money that was kicked to him. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of receivers, was there anyone that uh, kind of impressed you? Um, you know, just from Eric's notes, like uh, saying that Jamar Jefferson looked quicker than expected. Um, maybe, maybe that's something that the coaching staff looked at and said, Hey, like this guy is probably ready to be RB three. And that's why we can afford to move on from a guy like carry on Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really seems like for the most part, like the skill position players, especially like during mini camp and stuff, it seems like those are the kinds of guys that get all the rub and they get all the press. Because they're playing in the one-on-one drills, like wide receivers against corners. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see linemen when they're not wearing pads and get excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, just, it's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, again, it's I I think it's cool too because again, just you you I think it's again a, a point to, and I'm trying not to gas at the Lions too much here, but I I have said in multiple places how much I like having former players as coaches, and not guys who you know played two years of ball at like an FCS school and then sits as like analysts, uh, you know, quality control analysts for 20 years that, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe it's me just be seeing like, Oh, right. Yeah. We have Antoine Randall L as a wide receivers coach. That's cool. That's awesome. Maybe these kids think it's awesome too. Cause they probably remember seeing him play in the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like the lions, like you just mentioned Antoine Randall L um, but uh, even Mark Brunel. And that was the interesting oh, yeah. thing about about rookie minicamp is that the Lions didn't have a quarterback. So in those situations like Brunel and Antoine Randall and then eventually the quality control coach uh, Tanner Engstrand, like all those guys were throwing footballs. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> that's just like it's fun. It's cool. No, that's but, cool. It sounds it sounds almost like high school a little bit, just a little closer to uh, to your age groups and being able to just have fun out there, man. And I think I think part of it, too, maybe it's the covid year again, just everyone being cooped up and everything. And we're out here at rookie minicamp just slinging around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that energy is going to help carry me, though, through this Lions season, because, again, we've talked the schedule and it's ear off here. but. um Man, you just hope that energy stays there right now as a fan and as someone who just wants to cover the team too. that uh, this team stays fun because this 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 team should be fun. Football should be fun. It's a football should be fun. Football should be fun. Um, Anything else? I think I think we just put a pin in it beautifully. Really? Aside from me just bombing and saying anything else, probably. (laughs) Adequate. Very adequate. And with that adequacy, we leave you here. I am Chris Perfett. Follow me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, the purring ferret from Jamal Williams and uh, adequate host, Ryan Matthews, the third man and the rock god at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Jeremy will be back from vacation, I think, from the next P-O-D cast. Uh, I'm still working on our first bite podcast. No promises yet, but uh, hoping to talk some Ella McNeil when we do that. If not, we'll probably do something in its place. There will still probably be a first bite. And um, yeah, we're, we're kind of in the pits of it. I've, I've, we've talked, I think, a little bit before on uh, what we are going to do for ListCast, and it's coming up very quickly. Um, I almost want to do tier, tier cast, doing like S tier, A tier, B tier. But uh, 
let I can us be know. talked let into that. Private, I can be yeah, talked let, into that. Yeah, let us know at Pride of Detroit what if we can like help switch up list cast a little bit. Let us know. But until then, thank you guys. Make sure to be, follow us on Twitch for when we go live. As always, see you star side. Oh.